You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks on the block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. Good Friday, everybody, and this is uh, the Detroit Kool-Aid coming to you here um, on this great week, end of the week on Friday morning. Um, it's nice to be back talking to you guys. This is Griff coming at you, and um, just want to touch base on a few things here before we get started. Once again, it is Friday, so everybody knows how it goes. Start off with the weather report. Not quite for sure what happened. It was so beautiful earlier this week here in the state of Michigan, but the last couple of days have been cold and rainy again. Once again, this weekend for the holiday, the Easter weekend, it's going to be a little little chillier than it was earlier this week, a chance of rain both days, but anybody being able to get outside, maybe with your family, just maybe do like a yard Easter egg hunt, something like that, um, just keep in mind, you might have to put a sweatshirt on to be able to do that, because it will be a little chilly, and maybe a few sprinkles here and there, other than that. TGIF. Um, just a couple things I want to jump into here really quick um, before we uh, get into the uh, meat of the uh, cast here. Um, first thing I just want to touch base on this. I know uh, Derek likes to call it the sport we do not speak of, but that is um, just want to uh, give a quick you know, goodbye to uh, former Detroit Tiger Al Kaline. I realize it is baseball, but still he was a Detroit icon, a real class act. One of those guys I've never heard a bad word said about him. Um, my dad would talk about how great he was when he played. I remember him from when being a kid and listening to him and George call, George Kell call games on television. So that's all I want to say is, you know, Al Kaline, um, I've heard a lot of great stories about you from people and um, you were a great person for the city of Detroit and a great ambassador to Detroit Tigers. So you will be missed. So I just want to get that out of the way. Um, one thing I want to touch base with here again is I was watching NFL Network earlier this week, and they did their top ten, how they love to do that. And they were doing the Mount Rushmore's of teams. So naturally, being the Lions, uh, they weren't in part of the top ten. So it made me think, who would be on my Detroit Lions Mount Rushmore? Now, this would be from every player that I can think of all time, hearing stories from my family, my uncles, my you know, my grandparents, my dad telling me, you know, old players that were great, me seeing some of my own. Um, the four I would put on my route, Mount Rushmore would once again be uh, Barry Sanders, Lem Barney, Joe Schmidt, and Bobby Lane. And when I thought about that, I 
thought it was kind of sad how, like, my quarterback I took is actually from the 50s. I mean, yeah, Matt Stafford's here now. A lot of people would look at his stats and, you know, say, yeah, he deserves to be on there. And there's a lot of other great lines that I've seen that I've actually thought about. You know, maybe I can put that guy on there. But I don't think any other ones I was thinking of, you know, such as a Chris Spielman, you know, Calvin Johnson. I know Derek has a bad taste in his mouth from Calvin Johnson, but... I'm a big fan of Doug English when he played here as well. You know, he had a shortened career due to an injury. Uh, Charlie Sanders, Hall of Fame tight end. I mean, Billy Sims was here. Billy Sims is a great running back once again. You know, injuries cut him short. You know, everybody knows Darius Slay. How can I not have him on the Mount Rushmore simply because, you know, I did shake his hand. So you, everybody thought I'd be on here. But uh, still, you know, I don't think he's better than Lem Barney. So Lem Barney definitely deserves to be there. Few other guys, you know, and Dominic and Sue as well. You know, some people would, you know, think of him. The Lions have had many. You know, they have like, you know, 14, 15 Hall of Famers. A lot of them from their glory days of the 50s. Obviously, the 80s were kind of thin. You know, Lomas Brown was there. I mean, some people might want to say him. Probably the best. You know, could be the best tackle to ever play on the Lions. But still, I mean, I'm, I was pretty happy with. You know, I really. There's debates about it, but you know, Barry Sanders probably the greatest. You know, running back obviously for the team and maybe of all time in the NFL. Lem Barney probably the best defensive back ever to play for the Detroit Lions. Joe Schmidt, you know, is probably one of the top five middle linebackers ever to play the game. I don't think he gets enough love. I think a lot of it goes to like those Steelers linebackers. You know, like Jack Ham, Jack Lambert. You know, Ray Lewis gets a lot more now. Um, you know, Dick Butkus, obviously, Ray Nitschke, but still. Joe Schmidt was um, one of those studs of the uh, Lions defenses. And then Bobby Lane, yeah, I mean, really is probably the best quarterback to, you know, play. We're still, you know, a lot of people say still living with the curse of Bobby Lane, even though 50 years has been up for a little bit now. So, um, like I said, think about it. Put your own out there. I mean, hit me up on Twitter, at GrifkaDKC, if you, if you want to leave yours out there, if you think mine is missing somebody, or you can remove somebody and put somebody else on there. Um, you know, Alex Karras, he, he was out there too, was another guy I thought of. But, you know, uh, with who I got, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. I mean, you, you could put your favorites of who you've seen play. I know I've seen a lot of great lines play as well. You know, Robert Porsche, he's another guy that a, a lot of people like that people want to put on there. Benny Blades, probably one of my favorite lines of all time. Um, so, yeah, think about it. Hit me up on Twitter or feel free to call in, in the call-in line at 989 989- Two seven two three four eight four. Once again, it's nine eight nine two seven two. Kevin Smith, Herman Moore, as uh, Derek would like to put it. Once again, I'm I'm a digit guy, so once again, nine eight nine two seven two three four eight four. You can text that in, call it in. Who's who's on your Detroit Lions Mount Rushmore? I know there's a lot of. Uh, other teams and some people just think it's the Lions they don't uh, measure up but the Lions have had a lot of great players if you really go back and look at it and um you can really think about you know the way this you know team has been over the years even since you know since they've started they have had had a lot of great players walk through that door so um before I get into the meat of this why don't we take a pause for the cause and um once again uh, listen to our sponsor sponsors and uh, we'll be right back Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, welcome back everybody. Um, once again, everybody thank, and thank you for um, you know, listening to that and, and you know, using our sponsors. Um, one thing I did today is uh, this would be, once again, this was I did a mock draft. I didn't post it anywhere. I just you know, went through and did one really quick. And... My draft is based on no trades, so this is would be all the Lions picks, what they have, not training down, what I thought, you know, they might do, guys that may be interested in, who I who I might be interested in. Um, I'll name the pick, and you know, once again, few good bad things about them, and we'll go from there. I know a uh, few people want to critique this and um, go from, you know, either like what I have or don't like what I have, and that's fine. Once again, hit me up in, in Twitter at at Grifka DKC. That's at G R I F K A D K C. Let me know what you think about that. So, with that being said, staying at the number three pick, the first pick I took at number three was Jeff Okuda. Once again, out of Ohio State. 6'2", 190 pounds, runs a 4.4840. I think that's who the Lions are going to be leaning towards simply because of all of the linebackers that they've signed. I know me and Derek have talked about this on a previous show, and that is a pretty full linebacker room room right now. I'm a big fan of Isaiah Simmons, like Derek is, and um, I think Derek Simmons is more versatile, and I think he can play an awful lot of positions. But I think right now, with what the Lions have done, I see them leaning towards, you know, Okuda if he's sitting there, especially if Chase Young is gone and one of the quarterbacks is taken by Cincinnati without the trade out. Um, Okuda, he's got good size. He's good on the press. He play, And the Lions seem to play that pressed man defense, so he's good at that. And from watching his tape, he seems to really be a ball hawk. Um, he, he has a nose for the ball, you know, getting interceptions, knocking the balls down, making plays. He likes to stick in his nose in there and make tackles as well. Um, one thing he hasn't, you know, not, you know, as good at, he's, he's not as good in the zone coverage. Um, sometimes he, uh, he doesn't trust his eyes, I guess, for lack of a better term. He seems to get, uh, he's, when he's looking around the field a, a lot, he can play a little more of a, He'll have a little more paralysis by analysis in in his zone coverage. He seems like when he's doing press man, man on man, that's where he shines, and that's what the Lions like to play. So I think Jeff Okuda's a good fit, especially at number three. Uh, once again, the second round pick. It's a high second round pick, and that's number 35. Um, I went with Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Now he's uh, 6'2", 330 pounds, and um, his 40 time is you know 4.79, so almost a 4.8. Um, he's that big body defensive tackle that uh, the Lions like. Um, he's he's quick off the snap, which is you know really huge, especially in the NFL. You know we all know it. You got to be you got to be quick, especially down there, to get to any pressure up the middle to collapse the pocket. And that's one thing Neville Gallimore is really good at. And once again, this is just the way the draft fell. I wouldn't take him over other guys, but this is just how it fell on uh, the way I did it. And he, I thought he would be the next best defense tackle up there. He's another high motor guy. He doesn't seem to take any plays off. And I know you guys have heard me talk about other guys like when the Lions took Nick Fairley. He seemed to be lazy on plays. Um, Neville Gallimore doesn't seem to have that. He's that high motor guy. Um, couple things that I don't think he's good at just from watching his tape. Sometimes he seems to play a little high and he can get pushed around a lot because of that. He loses his center of gravity. 
he gets his uh, shoulders up too much and um, his feet a little too far back and he gets pushed around a little bit. Maybe that with coaching, you can coach that out of him. I'm not for sure. Playing at Oklahoma, I mean, there's there's a few good teams in, in the Big Ten, in Big 12, but um, some of the top talents really aren't there. I realize it's D1 football and you, you do play, you know, your Texas and your Oklahoma State, but sometimes a little less talent. You can get by with your utter skill at that level than you can at the pros, so that might have to be coached um coached into him, you know, getting his pad level down. I know that's something we tend to joke about here with the Lions, you know, getting your pad level, you know, making sure that you got good pad level. But um, he does play a little high at time, but I really like how quick he is off the snap. And he's he seems to be a guy, like I said, high motor. He doesn't seem to take a lot of plays off. So, you know, that pick at number 35 for the Detroit Lions. Um, in the third round, uh, this is uh, pick 67, um, I went with uh, Cam Akers, uh, the running back out of Florida State. Now he's 5'11", he's 210, a little bigger, and he runs a 4.47. What I liked about Cam Akers, um, he seems to be a really powerful running back. Uh, he's got really quick feet for a bigger guy as well. I think he's, um, you know, he's 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 can read the cut and go, and he'll make his his one cut and go. And um, I I really like that, which leads with his good vision. It seems like he has good vision with the running back. I know there's times where I am watching the running back, and I'll be, you know. If you would have cut the other way, you would have gained more yardage, or you missed the hole up there. I mean, yeah, you gained five yards on it, but if you would have broke back the other way, you could have maybe ripped off, you know, 10 or 15 yards. And I know in the whole scheme of a football game, that doesn't seem like much, but if you're able to pick up, you know, a first down on a run as opposed to going, you know, second and mid, you know, second and short, I would take the first down run any any time of the game. So he does have good good vision, you know, to go with his quick feet, which is good. Um, one of his knocks is that he does have some fumbleitis, though. So that's what you know, Lions fans. We know we don't like running backs that fumble. And, you know, I was you know, Amir Abdullah. He seemed to have a little worse fumbleitis than what Cam Akers has. But um, sometimes you can teach guys how to hold the ball better. Maybe it's strengthen the arm. You know, not having the three points on the football, things like that. But I think Cam Akers, he, he'll be a good fit here. Um, one thing I do question, you know, once again, he's powerful, he's got quick feet, but he never seems, I don't see any highlight films where he's breaking off like that 50, 60 yard touchdown run. He's, he doesn't seem like to be, he doesn't seem to be that house running back that um, Derek and I have been talking about. They don't have that guy, that breakaway guy that they've had, you know, since Javid Best was probably the last one they had at that. Uh, Reggie Bush was that when he came out of college, but uh, by the time he got here to Detroit, to Detroit, he had lost that gear and he doesn't have that anymore. But, um, it's, I think Cam Akers does fit in this backfield. I know we've talked about before that maybe he's just another one of those big backs that the Lions seem to have, but I think Cam Akers is better than Bo Scarborough. So there's a definite upgrade. I would take Cam Akers over there, and that's with the um, the, the 67th pick there in the third round. Now, the next pick was the uh, first pick that we got from Philly. The third round, it's the 85th pick. And uh, I talked about this guy in a prior show, Derek wasn't too happy with the pick. He says, all I did was watch this guy. I'm a lazy boy. But um, I like Ben Bredesen, the offensive guard out of Michigan. Once again, 6'5", 310 pounds. Um, he's a good pass blocker, which we know the Lions pass, pass a lot. You know, I know they're trying to establish a run game here and try to go 50-50. But um, he's a good pass blocker, and I believe that he's really good at picking up the blitz. From watching his, his video, he's good at looking at a blitz, being able to figure it out, and he doesn't seem to get confused that much on twists and stunts he's he's able to pick it up which we've all seen in the past where some of the lines interior line 
they can get tripped up by that. And it seems like there seems to be a guy running free and of um, um, Van Bredesen. He seems to be able to diagnose that and be able to pick that up really quick. Um, a couple things that, once again, I remember talking about this. He's he's not that quick guy. He, he's, he can pull, but he's going to be the guy that's going to have to blow out the defensive end on a pull or maybe just sweep right around the corner and hit maybe the outside linebacker. He's not going to be that guy that's going to be 10, 15 yards downfield, you know, taking out the safety or the cornerback. He's not that type of guard. He's, he's not that fast. And um, sometimes he can be if he's blocking out in space, you know, up to the second level, you know, if, if, if he's on a double team and he peels off that to go up and get the linebacker, or like I said, if he pulls and he's out around the edge, uh, if he doesn't get the outside linebacker right there at the defensive end, he has a little more trouble blocking in space. Um, he likes to play his game in, you know, in the proverbial phone booth. That's where his strength is. So interior, picking up the guys right there in that, uh, in that uh, tackle box, that that's what he's good at. If you're asking him to go out and it's like, hey, pull around the edge, go hit the cornerback. Chances are, I, I don't think he's he's going to be able to, you know, do that great. He, he's not that great at, at making that block. You know, getting out in front of a screen pass, something like that. He might just be there to take up space as opposed to, you know, taking out one or two guys on a screen pass. That you like to see those blockers. But still, um, I like the Ben Bradison pick there at number 85, and that's one of the picks that we got from Philly in the Darius Slay trade. Um, in the fourth round, the Lions have um, the 109th pick, and um, I went with uh, Khalid Kareem, the defensive end out of Notre Dame. Uh, Kareem, he's 6'4 and 262 pounds, so he's a little bigger defensive end. Uh, he's got good size, and he's uh, he's quick and you know off the snap. He's 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 real twitchy that way. And he's pretty decent at uh, shedding blocks, you know, with him getting off either the tight end or the tackle. Or if um, if he's coming in and the running back picking him up on um, on pass protection, he seems to be decent at getting off that block to being able to get pressure, get to the quarterback. Now, once again, you know, Derek will make fun of me. You know, that's what he do, you know he kind of knocks me just watching the games. But yes, I mean, I'm one of the, I'm not a Notre Dame fan. I like to watch them lose, so I did watch a lot of their games as well. But Khalid Kareem, he's a local guy out of Detroit. I remember um, Michigan recruited him pretty hard, and you know he's pretty, he's a good player. You know he's got good size, and he's got that prototypical look. I mean, if you saw the guy, you know, on the street, you know, he's that uh, defensive end with the prototypical size that you that you have. The one thing I do question at him, and I know this is another thing I, I get knocked on, is, is his stats. You know, he if he had that, he didn't have great stats. You know, at Notre Dame, and I don't know if it was. One of those things, like it was a product of the defensive line that he, you know, he he did get, you know, you know I don't want to say double team because it wasn't true double teams. They'd keep somebody in 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 the chip them before either releasing in the pass pattern and having the running back come over and and help you know, help block. But still, I mean, for his size, for his athleticism, for his speed, you you think he'd put up better numbers than that. I'm not talking, you know, Chase Young numbers by any stretch of the imagination, but still. It's one of those things where it looks like you got the mold here, you got the clay. Maybe the Lions can mold him into maybe not an elite, you know, pass rushing defensive end, but somebody who's better than Romeo Okwara. Okwara's okay, but um, Khalid Kareem, he's got that look where he could be better than uh, what they have right now. Um, 
So the fifth round, the 149th pick, I went with uh, K.J. Hill, uh, the slot guy from Ohio State. I know this was another guy I talked about, me and Derek talked about on a previous show. He's six foot, 198 pounds, and uh, once again, a little slower than what I thought. His 40 time was uh, 4.6. So with um, everything the way it is with COVID-19 right now, not, they didn't have the pro day, so he's not going to be able to better that time, so he had to go with a 4.6. Gosh, he just seems so much quicker than that on tape and, you know, watching him, you know, watching him for my lazy boy. And like Derek said, we were at the big house when, you know, he was running, you know, past Michigan defenders, you know, on, you know, just beating the pursuit angles. So 4.6 is, is kind of surprising to me. Um, what I really like about K.J. Hill is that he's good at catching the ball. He, he's got sticky hands. Um, that little guy that can maybe train from Danny Amendola, you know, maybe next year after Amendola leaves, K.J. Hill, you know, goes right in there simply because, you know, he's, He's, he's got he runs really good routes, you know. He's got really good hands, and he's not afraid to go over the middle. That's one of those things you can watch tape. Some guys they'll shy away, they'll get the proverbial gator arms, and uh, they don't want to catch the ball. KJ Hill doesn't have that at all. Um, it seems like Ohio State was able to scheme him a lot, where he's able to use his quickness, use his route running ability to get free and get open, and that's what I really like. So I would hope that you know if the Lions were to take him. That's what they would look to do with him as well. Daryl Bevel would be able to do some schemes, kind of like they do with Amendola right now. There's some games watching last year, Amendola was wide open. Nobody was on him. They could do the same thing with K.J. Hill. Once again, a couple knocks on him. I know we talked about this before. He seems to have one speed. When he catches the ball, he's already at his speed. He doesn't have that second gear. And that's why I said the 4.6 is so amazing to me. That That's what he ran. Maybe he just had an off day. He just seems so much quicker. But once he gets you know to that speed, he doesn't have that burst to get to get by the pursuit angles. And we all know everybody in the pros is bigger and faster. So that might, you know affect him here a little more as opposed to when he was in the Big Ten, you know, getting around the edge and going up the sideline and being gone, where in the pros, they'll be able to catch him on that pursuit angle because he doesn't have that second gear like that. And like I just mentioned, Ohio State did a really good job of scheming him up where he'd be able to get free right off the line of scrimmage. So him being a little smaller guy, six foot, 198 pounds, he might have a little more trouble in the pros if they play some press against them. Now, that may happen as well. Teams are going to scheme that to see what they can do, if he can do that, if he can get off the line of scrimmage. Um, that will be a little tougher for him, especially if he didn't face it a whole lot. That might be something that they have to scheme for in practice. Try it. See what he can do. See if that's a distinct possibility that he can get off the ball and off the line of scrimmage if press man is there. So that is the... Um, fifth round pick I took at 149. Now, once again, they also have fifth round pick at 166. That's another one of those picks from Philly. With that pick, I took uh, Jack Driscoll, the offensive tackle out of Auburn. Um, once again, I know that the Lions signed, you know, Hal Vitae, and they still, Taylor Decker's still on the team, and Terrell Crosby's still there. But this is a guy, he's 6'5", 300 pounds, and um, he seems, watching his video, he seems athletic enough where he could play the interior guard spot as well as one of the tackle spots. So he is one of those guys that multiple positions that seem what the Lions do like when they are taking offensive offensive linemen. They can, you know, plug and play if guys get injured, if something happens, they can use this guy and put him in there. Now once again I know the Lions, you know, they signed a Bushi, they got uh, Bo Benchwall that they had on the practice squad last year, so he may be in line. You know, Wiggins is back. Joe Dahl is back. You know, like I just said, Terrell Crosby's still there. They got Hal Vitae and uh, Taylor Decker, and so taking him 
yeah, I don't know. It could be one of those things where it's just a crowded, you know, a room for offensive linemen. But it could be one of those guys where if he's able to play multiple position, he, he does a good job. It seemed like from watching his tape that he did a decent job getting out to the second level to block the the um, linebackers or the box safety. He he did a he did a pretty decent job at that, especially coming out of Auburn, facing some of those really good defenses that um Auburn faces, you know, Alabama, LSU, Texas A and M. I know there's times where I kinda of downplay the SEC, but let's face it, the SEC has some great athletes, especially on defense and Jack Driscoll did a pretty decent job getting out to that second level and doing blocks. A um, couple things he, he does have, though, this is pure numbers, and you can't really, everybody says you can't measure heart, but you can measure other things. Um, he has short arms. I know that was one knock that the Lions always, we have, all Lions fans always talked about Riley Reef is that he had short arms, especially for a tackle. And um, there's sometimes with his short arms, even with his size, he doesn't seem, he's not as strong, maybe. He just doesn't seem as strong as you'd like, you know, especially the one-on-ones, you know, pushing guys back. You know, being a size for an offensive tackle, he, he seemed at some points he he would get beat, would get pushed back, especially on a bull rush, not necessarily on you know on a stunt, you know, picking up a blitz or something like that, but just a straight bull rush. Um, it seemed like he would um get pushed back at times as well. So, and we all know once again in the pros, going against those strong defensive tackles, those quick, big, strong defensive ends, that can happen to you and get put on skates really quick. But um being a guy that's versatile to get through the different offensive line positions and being able to go out and uh, pick up the second level at blocking, that might be something the Lions are looking for there. Uh, once again, these are guys that just kind of fell to me as I was doing my draft, not like who I think are the best of the best, but this is what I thought the best was available at the time. So got a couple more picks here. Um, in round six, uh, I looked at, uh, I thought about Robert Windsor. He's the defensive tackle out of Penn State. Now he's only six. He's six three. It's 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 tall, but he's only two hundred ninety five pounds. This is one of those guys when I was looking through and what fell to me. I was just kind of like, he's there. They could use more help on defensive tackle. He's a little smaller than what the Lions generally like, but he's one of those guys. He's another high motor guy. He works really hard. He's one of those guys that Derek likes to talk about and say like, you know. They're they're hungry. They they want to prove themselves because people have disproved them. Now Robert Windsor went to Penn State. And Penn State had a lot of good defenders on that team, so he kind of gets overlooked a little bit. But he is a hard worker, and he's 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 he, from the video he looked pretty agile for being one of those guys that are down low. Once again, maybe because that's because of his size being only at 295 pounds. You know he is he looks a little quicker than the bigger guys that he's playing around. So with that being said, like I just mentioned, he might not be as big as what the Lions would like. Um, but he seemed to be a little better, graded out better than what kind of was left there for me at the sixth round. So it's one of those guys I'm like, eh, you know, I don't, he could end up being just a camp body. You know, we've talked about that, you know, but still, you know, he works hard, could be that young, hungry guy that the Lions and Derek often talks about, you know, get him on the team, let him prove themselves that they got something to prove, play with a little bit of chip on their shoulder, and we can go from there. Now, um, the last pick was the round seven. That's 235, and this is one pick that we got from New England. And, uh, Derek, this one's for you. I know how much you like punters, so I looked at Michael Turk, the punter from Arizona State. 
Now, uh, with Michael Turk, uh, he's 6'1", 228 pounds, and I know being a punter, we all care about his 40 time, so he runs a 4.79, you know, 40. Um, not for sure if he'll ever have to sprint down the field in front of everybody to make a tackle, but, you know, we do have his 40 time here, so that's good. Um, the biggest thing about Michael Turk, I know family members, so it's training, but his uncle Matt Turk, you know, played in the NFL for a number of years and was an excellent punter, you know, so he has a good blood bloodline there. Um, he's got a very strong leg as well. Um, you know, I, I saw the Arizona State-Michigan State game. I watched that, and, you know, this guy can punt the ball, you know, he, he can boom it. He's got a big booming leg, and it showed off a little more down at Arizona State. I know some of his tapes down there. It's a little drier air. The ball's going to carry a little more. But, no, I mean, even playing up in the Northwest, you know, seeing some of those games that he had up in the Northwest up there, he, he can really uh, he can really boom the ball out there. So, you know, looking to replace Sam Martin, one of Derek's favorite players. You know, so Michael Turk, I took him in the seventh round. A uh, couple things that, you know, there are knocks against him, especially in the pros, and this can really hurt. Like I said, he has a big booming leg. Sometimes he can outkick his coverage, and that can be really tough to do, especially in the pros. You get those good return guys. If they have a lot of space to get their momentum going, they're going to get past the first line, and they can be in the in the open. And with that being said, a lot of times the punter is the last line of defense, you know, making a guy move, pushing him out of bounds, slowing him up just a little bit that somebody can catch the punt the punt returner from behind um there's times where michael turk just doesn't look comfortable out there he, when you're saying that guy looks like a kicker or punter trying to make a tackle he looks like a kicker or punter trying to make a tackle it looks like cement feet he's not quick it's just one little quick move and the guy was by him a couple times and that happens and i realize they don't practice a lot of the open field tackling but still, it's a nice thing to have, you know, if your punter can at least make a tackle. I'm not talking Ray Guy here, but still, you know, a guy that can make a tackle. And then also watching some of his games, I don't know if it had anything to do with him playing at Arizona State, once again, where the ball would carry a little more. He seemed to struggle at times with the directional punts. If you're trying to pin somebody deep, it was either kicked out of bounds, you know, to, you know, it went out of bounds a lot earlier than what you'd be looking for. If you're trying to pin somebody, you know, inside the 20 or even inside the 10, it seemed to be up the line a little more. Or if he's trying to get inside the 10, it seemed like a lot of them would just boom into the end zone. So once again, I've never been a punter. I don't coach them. I, you know, don't don't even know a special teams coach that coaches them. So that would have to be something you'd have to work on a little more because that was another knock that we always had on Sam Martin in a big situation, a big time. He would either boot the ball, you know, short out of bounds, or if we wanted to pin him inside the 10, it would seem to be going, you know, boomed out the back of the end zone. So that, that would also be something that um, we could work on there and he could look to work on as well. So Michael Turk, once again looking to replace the punter since the Lions haven't signed one yet, was looking at him. So once again, just to re cap the draft I did. Once again, it was just the straight-up picks with no trades. Um, round one, took Jeff Okuda, the cornerback of Ohio State, at number three. Uh, round two, at number 35, I had Neville Gallimore, the defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Uh, round three, at number 67, uh, took Cam Akers, the running back out of Florida State. And um, also in the third round, at number 85, the pick from Philly. Once again, took Ben Bredesen, the offensive guard out of Michigan. Uh, round four, um, Pick 109, Khalid Kareem, the defensive end out of Notre Dame. Round 5, pick 149, had K.J. Hill, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. And then uh, the uh, next pick in the fifth round at 166, had um, this is another pick from Philly. Had Jack Driscoll, the offensive tackle out of Auburn. 
round six, uh, pick 182, Robert Windsor, the defensive tackle out of Penn State. And then round seven, finishing up the draft at number 235, this pick from New England had Michael Turk, the punter out of Arizona State. Uh, once again, I'll put that uh, draft out there on um, Twitter for everybody. If anybody has any uh, comments, you know, likes, dislikes, please let me know. That's Once again, that's at Grifka, D-K-C. That's at G-R-I-F-K-A-D-K-C. Or feel free to call in line at uh, 989-272-3484. And uh, leave a text or call in. Let me know what you think about this draft. So, um, once again, draft season's almost upon us. Um, one thing um, we'll have to touch on later, uh, I always like to do uh, drafts of ghost, ghost of drafts past and what the Lions could have had. Now, you know, me and Derek will probably touch base on that really quick, maybe here and there at some point. That's just a little bit of a uh, teaser out there that we could do that we have coming up. And I know me and Derek will also be doing more uh, more uh, mock drafts here for everybody, and um, especially right now with uh, everybody moving up and down the boards, it, you know, it's uh, hard to peg, kind of peg, like Derek always says. I want to give him kudos on this. Once you think you got the draft figured out, once you think a team's going to do, um, it doesn't happen that way, and everybody's confused, and everybody's left scratching their head. So uh, once again, everybody, I appreciate everybody listening. And, um, and once again, it's Friday, and just to let you know, I do not have anything else for you guys today, so that would be a big nope. And once again, uh, drink it in, man, and everybody enjoy the uh, Easter weekend. Everybody, thanks for listening. Bye. Drink it in, man.